Welcome back to a very special episode of Raised on Film. My name is Andrew Dodd, and while I am not the show's usual host slash creator Adam Galloway, Adam has given me permission to take over for one episode to explore an idea I had when reflecting on the results of this year's Hollywood blockbuster summer season. You see, back on our old podcast, The Viewer's Cut, we made many predictions about where the future of popular franchises were headed. Now that some time has passed and those franchises have grown, I thought it would be neat to reconnect with the original podcasters, explore what's new with these titles, and reevaluate our relationship with them, if any. It's an episode of Updates on Raised on Film. In February of 2022, Adam and I spoke with Cameron Killingsworth about the cinematic history of one of pop culture's most famous icons, Batman. We were looking forward to Matt Reeves's The Batman, and we mused about what Michael Keaton's return to the character in the then-upcoming movie, The Flash, might look like. In case you missed it, here's a clip from that episode. So, Cam, how do you feel about Michael Keaton returning as Batman? I am beyond excited. Um, he's also going to be in the Batgirl, Batgirl HBO Max movie, too. Yeah. Um, also, I'm so excited to see that Batmobile again. Once that Batmobile shows up on screen again, mm. I'm going to freak out. Do you think, uh, after the success of Spider-Man No Way Home, do you think that uh, they're, like anyone's arguing at Warner Brothers that they should rewrite The Flash and try and get Val Kilmer, George Clooney, and Christian Bale in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I don't think George Clooney would ever do it again, but I'm sure, I agree with you. I'm sure they've talked about it. But it could be Clooney's uh, vindication. Andrew, don't put that in the universe, man. Don't put that in the universe. Uh, as for Michael Keaton, um, I, I was just going to say, I think he's really proud of his work with Batman and he knows how big it was for him in his career so I think he's going to do it justice and I think he's going to bring a lot of passion and stuff to the role and try his best to make it as good as possible so no reason to believe it's not going to be good having now seen the Batman and the Flash Adam and I caught up with Cam again to see if our predictions were in fact prophecies and if Cam's excitement was rewarded have a listen um, it's good to be back together with you guys. Uh, I was just listening to our Batman episode today and prep for this. I don't know if you guys listened to it or not, too. It's, it's been a while, but, but yeah, uh, I, listened to, I listened to it. I did. Yeah, I listened you to have, it today. You have heard it. Yeah, okay. Um, I think it's pretty cool what we were talking about with Michael Keaton. So I think, Cam, you said you were really looking forward to Michael Keaton's big return to Bruce Wayne, Batman in the Flash, and mm -hmm. you really wanted to see what he was going, to, and you said you really hope that it's sort of a return to this like stoic Batman and less of an action hero. Mm -hmm. Now we've seen the Flash. <laughs> what do you think? Did it uh, meet your expectations, or surpass, or fall short? It didn't meet any of my expectations. <laughs> okay, <laughs> none. <laughs> um, and I can I can discuss it just a little bit. I didn't. Yeah. I will say I didn't hate it. 
I just want to clarify that. I didn't hate it. I thought there was some pretty good moments, and I actually watched it again last night so I'd be fresh uh, for this. And I have some notes on my phone. Um, but what I, I... I didn't hate it. I Yeah, the, the Michael Keaton wasn't necessarily the Michael Keaton that I know and love when it comes to him being Batman, but... There was some. There was some good parts. There was some good parts. Um, like now, I, hold on. When you when you say there were some good parts, are you talking about the movie, or are you just talking about Keaton's performance? No, just the movie. Okay. In general, I like I said, like I, when you and I were texting about it, I I ultimately agreed with you. I feel like Michael, like Michael Keaton, wasn't really utilized all that well. And when we're talking about the side characters, you could say that about Supergirl too. They they both were kind of just there and like you this is your words you said that they kind of did that um like you know the mentor trope which has been done a million times and you you made a really really good point but i feel like the the movie as a whole was good up until the third act um but if we're strictly talking about keaton and his aspect of the uh, like his part in the film i would say that ultimately i was probably a little disappointed but i was pretty happy hearing the music again i will say that when those like the you know the classic danny elfman music cues came back in i know there's a lot of people stick their noses up at uh, fan service but uh for me if it were if it you know involves uh, batman or that music specifically because i hold that music uh quite you know near and dear to my heart i you'll always have me so i really appreciated that do you are you able to have you figured out what about it has disappointed you like what were you hoping for that you didn't get um this is really gonna sound uh very familiar to our old episode when we were talking about batman and pretty much the only thing that i kept talking about uh and it's very very trivial uh and it's this spoilers for those who haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, it's all spoilers. But there's no Batmobile sequence. <laughs> I knew it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, that was like a huge disappointment, especially at the fact that they had they did they spent time showing it off. Like they were like like Barry pulls the you know the 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 tarp, tarp. off and and you see it in all of its glory and then he just sits in it. That's it. Uh-huh. And then he pulls out the Joker laugh bag, which is kind of a fun reference in on its own. But I'm like that. And then when the movie ended, when the climax happened and there was no like Batmobile, I, I started to dis. I started to not like the movie. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, once I started to slowly realize that there was no Batmobile sequence, I started to get a little. I was like, is there going to be one? Is there going to be one? And then there wasn't one. And then I was like, yeah, that's a little bit of a bummer. How about you, Adam? Um, disappointed for sure. I don't have as much nostalgia as Cam does, but I am a huge Michael Keaton fan, and there were just some decisions that I that they made that I I wasn't a fan of. I hated his introduction. I thought him jumping up on a counter and that whole sequence was just not wasn't for me. I, I didn't think it worked. Again, I get the whole old man, the beard, and all that. Once he was giving dialogue like i like the little sequence with the spaghetti and all that that was fine but um yeah i just don't think it was enough personally i i would have liked a little bit more of michael keaton in it and i just think i wasn't a fan of the movie as a whole so 
Um, it didn't save it for me if to, to sum it up, but it, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't necessarily good in my opinion. But Adam, you, you're a, a, a big Michael Keaton fan, especially lately, yeah. his sort of renaissance since Birdman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you, and you reference his performance in Spider-Man Homecoming quite yeah. a bit. Uh, so, so as a, a sort of uh, old and now new Keaton fan, what did you think of his performance? Was this? I, I know he, his character is underutilized, but did you think Keaton is uh, as good as he's ever been, or I, just I, for, forgettable? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as far to say that he's as good as he's ever been because I don't think he had enough to work with in this. I personally would have given him more to do. Apparently, there was a deleted scene about backstory that they left out. What happened? Or why he uh, something to do with someone he killed or something. Again, I don't know mm-hmm. all the specifics, but mm-hmm. if you got Michael Keaton in this movie, give him more to do. And like, he's a great actor. And I think for many years, especially after Batman, he was underutilized as an actor. And then I think the founder and Birdman and Spotlight are like, hey, this guy's a really good actor. And I would have liked more scenes with him and Barry. I think he could have grounded Barry more because by that point in the movie, the two Barry back and forth was just sometimes a little too much. Um, and I thought they, they just had a little bit of a missed opportunity. He was good in what he had, but I just don't think they gave him enough to work with. So I'll comment on, on both, on what both you guys said. And I think both Keaton and the Batmobile are sort of encapsulate what we were all feeling, which is we thought there was just going to be more. We like they, they marketed Keaton in the movie a ton. He was because, because of, Ezra Miller's troubles I think they sort of had to shift a lot of the marketing towards Michael Keaton and the return of Batman uh including that big tease of the Batmobile which we never got and I think that sort of sums it all up right that the plot was such that it didn't really have a lot of room for Michael Keaton's Batman or it didn't have any room for a Batmobile sequence at all because anytime they went anywhere with Batman, it was like globe trotting, right? They were going to like Russia and around around the United States, so it made more sense for him to be in a plane instead of driving eight hours in the Batmobile. <laughs> I don't know. Does he have to stop and gas that thing up at like the uh, Texaco or what? I don't know. Every eight minutes. Um, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Uh, oh, it's probably nuclear powered or something, right? Um, but. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's a yeah, turbine. It's green. a turbine. <laughs> oh, wait. We talked about this. I forgot. Oh, yeah, the come glass. on. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it was just the marketing. It was just false advertising, really. He, he was barely in the movie. The Batmobile was barely in the movie, but they had to make it seem like this was a big part of the movie uh, just so people would come and, and see it. So I think we all agree a, a missed opportunity there. Um, I personally, and I said this to you as well, Cam, like why I'll pose the question, why did this need to be Michael Keaton's version of the character? Why, why did the story aside from the marketing and in the real life reasons why they wanted Keaton back, why was it essential to this story that it feature that version of Batman? Can anyone answer that? Well, I think it kind of boils down to, well, was this in production, like in pre before uh, uh, Spider Man came out? I oh. think it was. Yeah, because I think it was too. Because I remember when they did the DC, whatever, Comic Con thing, when it was online, because yeah. it was during COVID, they had released like teaser photos of it and it had 
like it had keaton's batman you could tell it was keaton by the bat suit mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you had it next to uh the like ezra miller's flash and i freaked out i remember i was at like a family barbecue uh at karina's family barbecue and i i got that notification and i freaked out because i was like oh yeah keaton's back as batman that's great um and the family was like god i hope she, yeah, she doesn't marry this guy was, yeah they were just like they were like cameron come on it like just chill all right it's it's summer um they were um all you talk about is batman can you just chill um but i was was really really excited and um but i i wouldn't be able to if because i thought maybe they were trying to capitalize on the no way home you know bringing toby and bringing uh andrew garfield back into the mix just for like that multiverse type thing um but i guess if if this was in development before that, then that theory kind of flies out the window. So I don't really know. I think, th- I think everyone got the idea at the same time. That's my take on it. Oh, okay. Mar- there was like a race between Marvel and DC to see who could make their multiverse movie first. Mm. And because of production problems and COVID, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home got there like two years yeah. <laughs> ahead of time. Yeah. Um. I don't know, Adam, if you don't have any thoughts, that's okay, because I don't think there is an answer. I don't think that needed to be Michael Keaton's Batman in that movie. Like you, In my opinion, you could have had that be Ben Affleck, right? Barry, the two Barrys go to see Bruce Wayne, and it's a disheveled Ben Affleck. And it's the same thing. It's like a different universe. So Bruce Wayne's like, I don't know you. We're not friends. And he's like, oh, come on. We know each other. And it, it would be the exact same movie. You'd still have that reluctant mentor storyline you know, like, thanks for bringing me back. It's like that, you know, that's kind of like Rocky, right? That was the Creed yeah. story too, yeah. right? Um, So I, I, I guess I don't know what I wanted. I don't know what would have satisfied me. Tell me about it. Um, But like, <clears throat> like a reference, like did something happen between he and Selena Kyle? Like, I just wanted to know what's, what's the part three of that Bruce Wayne? Like what happened to him right after Batman Returns? Uh, did Alfred die tragically or did something happen to commissioner Gordon? Like I kind of wanted as much as I don't want fan service. I did want some reference to something specific in that universe that maybe he can't get over. And this movie is the resolution of that. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up as I go, Mm -hmm. but that I think would have felt a bit more satisfying. Yeah, I I agree um, with what you said a little bit ago where it, 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 there was nothing special about it being Michael Keaton um ben affleck kind of makes more sense (laughs) to to be honest they really i think were reaching i think because this came out after no way home it seems a little desperate it seems like they just kind of did it to do it type thing whereas it felt like with no way home andrew garfield and tobin mcguire served more of a purpose um and it now again there's not as many spider-mans as there are batmans but it just didn't it yeah it it, it was in, in some of the scenes to me, and this is just my own opinion. I'm just like, wh- why are we doing this? Well, why I, there's nothing special about this. And like you said, you want to know more. There were no, like they had callbacks for Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man in no way home with uh, Doc Ock and um, uh, Gwen Stacy falling. There was nothing besides I know the, the Joker bag they brought out, but like Michael Keaton just seemed like, I could I could bet that he was disappointed where he's just walking around set like why, why am I here 
What am I doing? I, I, I'm saying, let you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. And they mm. spoiled two of the greatest lines in the trailer, so they weren't even exciting in the movie. So, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I, I don't know why they did it. I just think they were desperate to keep up with Marvel. And that and DC has a history of that. I feel like a lot of that uh, like character arc and character development may have been in that Batgirl movie that they canceled. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. Um, because that's my that's why I was kind of even more a little bit disappointed at the at the end of the Flash is because I want like like you guys said I wanted more like that was obvious I wanted more Keaton. And, um, when they released like these like shots of Keaton being in the background movie and him taking like the mentor, uh, role in that, I assumed that he was going to be a huge part of that movie, like kind of like a Batman beyond type deal. Um, and when that movie got canceled, I was like, okay, well, they're definitely going to have to change a whole bunch of stuff in the flash. And they, they did really, um, we talked about the the ending of the like the, the George Clooney reveal, right? That was supposed to be Keaton, right? Mm. So Barry goes back and then that was uh Keaton shows up and then, you know, Ben Affleck is kind of out of the picture, which on a side note, I am a little bit disappointed. I was uh do you guys listen to Smartless, the the podcast with Jason um, Bateman's podcast? Yeah, yeah. And Will uh Will Arnett I've listened to and, some episodes, uh, yeah. So Ben Affleck's episode was really interesting because he does briefly talk about the flash and his experience with that movie. And he said that he finally found the character of Batman or at least his iteration of Batman. And I felt like watching the movie, I felt so bad mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. he's only in it for like five minutes. And the, the poor guy was dealt a bad hand in, in the Snyderverse, And then he goes to do this and he's only in it for the opening sequence and one scene after that and then that's it and i felt kind of bad after he said that because it took all this time and he finally realized it and he only gets like 10 minutes of screen time if that mm -hmm. uh and this, half this of this was CGI. his big finale this yeah. was his this is his which farewell to batman right here yeah which is super anticlimactic if you look at it from from that point of view because he's just stopping a group of criminals there's nothing super crazy but yeah i feel like they would have to go back to the keaton thing i feel like they would have addressed a lot of that stuff in uh in the background movie um because it was they i guess my assumption was that they were kind of like splitting screen time so there was going to be a lot of a lot of keaton and a lot of batgirl uh and they could have discussed why batman kind of stopped but then that movie got canceled so then this movie was negatively affected i would say question quickly was batgirl supposed to come out before the flash no it was supposed to come out after so. i don't think so yeah I think okay it was supposed i wasn't to be, sure like chronologically it was supposed to come out like the time was supposed to be after gotcha. the flash yeah gotcha. i think the flash was supposed to explain that sasha Callie's the new supergirl and that michael keaton is now the new bruce wayne in the dceu ah, okay so then so then back girl was going to happen but now it's michael keaton in like they were literally just swapping out ben affleck for the guy who played it 30 years before <laughs> which is really weird when you think about yeah. it yeah. um speaking of so you know we talked about the backstory and i think cam or adam i forget which one of you said it but there's a um a featurette out now on YouTube, like all about bringing Keaton's Batman back. I think they're trying to drum up some popularity for it because it's released on streaming. But uh, it, the director talked about this whole backstory he envisioned about 
Batman kills a criminal in front of that's that what it is. Yeah, criminal's yeah. Yeah. child. Mm-hmm. So then Batman's like, oh my gosh, I've become the thing that traumatized me and that's what made him retire. I was like, great story. Too bad we didn't get to see it. Like, <laughs> too bad it was just you describing it to us on a YouTube video. Like that would have been great to be in the movie. But as you guys already said, maybe it was and it and it got cut out. Not to blow my own horn, but speaking about multiverse, I did suggest maybe George Clooney would come ah. back in a multiverse thing and they made that work somehow. So Do we know yeah. did they try to get just, Christian Bale? Are there any rumors or anything out there? Was he asked? No, I wasn't sure. I wouldn't be surprised if they yeah. tried, like you know. And he was like, "No, no," and then he beat, beat them up. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, that's the Flash. Last time we met, um, Matt Reeves is the Batman was about to come out. So, um, I just thought, you know, since we're doing a recap, what did you guys? I know I didn't really prepare you guys for that. It's a bit of a curveball, but. Adam, you and I saw it together. Cam, what did you think about the Batman? Well, we did briefly talk about it uh, when we were doing that one film with Hiles, um, and I I loved it. I oh thought, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about? The one with the yeah. really uh, the really shitty Airbnb that didn't have Wi-Fi, and it was oh man, with the, <laughs> the one with the four kitchen. of us, and we all play the same character, the twenty somethings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't really. I I I loved that movie. I couldn't find anything that I disliked. Uh that's not true. I didn't really like the Joker thing. Um, yeah. I wasn't really a fan of that. I I felt like that was like a Warner Brothers tack on. They were like, oh, you gotta you gotta put the Joker in there. It's not a Batman movie without the Joker. And I I just didn't I didn't vibe with that. But I I loved the movie. I the only thing I didn't like was that it's three hours long. They probably could have trimmed the fat a little bit, um, but Pattinson as as Batman did a did an amazing job. I was so happy that he did because all of the people that I would get into arguments uh, with about Pattinson being Batman ate their words. They were like, "Oh, he's fine," and I was like, "Okay, you're just saying he's fine, but realistically, you liked the movie, and you're just ashamed <laughs> to admit it." Um, uh, yeah, the the Batmobile sequence now, you know, because we got to talk about that. So cool! I I loved that, and it was like a huge, like Christine reference too, which we all know is one of my favorite movies. So like, and that was deliberate um, for you, Matt Reeves. Want yeah, <laughs> well yeah, just for me. Matt Reeves was like, Cam is gonna watch this. We He's need gonna to get have a massive erection. We're Christine. doing this for Cam. Yeah, and I did. I was giggling. I was giggling like a little boy when the when you hear the startup of the engine. I think I mentioned it in one of our previous You'd, in episodes. the Christine so episode excited. that you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was so I was so pumped. I was so excited. But uh, it was just an overall good movie. Uh, I will shout out Colin Farrell. Amazing, amazing performance by yeah. him. You just don't even recognize it's him. I think he does a great job. I think there's only one shot where i picked up that it was him uh and it's so quick and it's only a second long and it's when he's during the batmobile sequence and he turns back and he uh, the camera is like in the back seat and he it's facing the back of his seat oh, yeah. and he turns back yeah. that's the only kind of shot that i recognized colin farrell in but other than that he was great i have nothing but good things to say about it and i'm really excited to see what they do with the the second one i've heard Little birds have told me that it might be Mr. Freeze. They're trying to make 
Mr. Freeze comeback, which would be pretty cool if they do it right. Um, but yeah, I thought the Batman was great. I've watched it many times since it came out. I think it's, I think it's a great uh, Batman movie. And uh, Dodd, you and I discussed this. It was the, uh, like the Gotham felt really good too. Like it felt mm. like kind of gross, like gross and grimy. The music in it, amazing. Uh, actually, uh, Apple does the same thing that Spotify does, like a year, a wrap up year. And the theme song was like one of my most listened to songs <laughs> uh, last year, which is which is pretty funny. But yeah, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I'm gonna see you at a barbecue with Karina's family. Like, guys, you want to listen to the Batman theme again? <laughs> I actually play it at work when we're closing a lot, and it's uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> everyone gets. Do you try and time? You, you try and time locking the door with the big crescendo of the music. Well, I remember I was I played it once, and my boss came out of the back because he was leaving, and he was just like, he was like, uh, who died? <laughs> <laughs> Does have a funeral march, sound. and I and I looked at him and I was like, "It's the Batman, dude. Just wait, just wait for the ending when it does that big crescendo." Uh, Cam, you mentioned Gotham City. Adam, on our previous episode, you had talked about how they sort of got lazier with the Nolan movies yeah. uh, as they went on, and Gotham uh, just looked Ch- Chicago disguise that it was it was New York or yeah. Chicago. I think yeah. they passed Saks Fifth Avenue at one point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Adam, did you like uh, Gotham City in in the Batman? That's my first question. And my second question is, do you like the Batman better than any Christopher Nolan Batman movie? Oh, okay. So question number one, yes. I thought the first hour-ish of the Batman was like flawless. It had like the seven Zodiac vibes to it, which I liked. I liked the opening where they're just building up the suspense of Batman. Like everyone's walking like, oh my God, oh my God. And like it's raining and shit. Like it's, it's fantastic. Um, then the movie loses me a little bit later on. Nitpicks, a little long, some things here and there, but solid movie. Just a little long, like Cam said. And in regards to your second question, do I like it better than any of the Nolans? Well, so like I think Batman Begins is your favorite Nolan yeah. Batman movie. Yep. Do you? Is that still the case? Yeah, I would. I would say uh... rank your Batmans for oh, me. God. <laughs> so I would probably still uh, I Batman Begins is still my favorite. Dark Knight's still my second favorite. The Batman's probably is definitely a better movie than Dark Knight Rises, but I'd probably watch Dark Knight Rises before I'd watch the Batman. But objectively, it's a better movie. Dark Knight Rises has way more flaws, but I find it more rewatchable. The Batman just drags a little bit in the second and third act, but no, I love I love the Gotham of it. I love the portrayal of Batman. I love the villains. Uh, Paul Dano was fantastic. There was some great sequences because like I love David Fincher. I love Zodiac and Seven, like I mentioned, and it's like an homage to that atmosphere. So um, yeah, to rank them, Batman would be fourth, but um, for watching, but the Batman is right up there with the Dark Knight. I, I'd have to really think about that. Which one I think objectively is better. Because uh, you could probably make the argument that the Batman's the best made movie of of the Nolan ones. You could, but I'd have to. It'd be tough. I'd have to, I'd give it more thought. But Batman Begins is still my favorite. And how about the Tim Burton's? Ooh. Uh. Well, of those two, Batman Returns I like a little bit more than Batman. Um. I think the Batman. Like it's tough, right? Because rewatch value. Unfortunately, the Batman is just so long. It's hard to throw on. 
But I was gonna say the length always kills yeah, you. Yeah, right? you don't like. Long but movies. it's it's very yeah. well made. Matt Reeves is a really good filmmaker. Like he's made a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah. Again, it just comes down to the runtime. If it was, if it was, if if the Batman was 20, 30 minutes shorter, if it was about the length of The Dark Knight or Batman Begins, it would be a top three for sure. I'd prefer it over. I'm not a huge fan of Batman and Batman Returns. I have a little bit of nostalgia, and I love Michael Keaton, and obviously the villains in it are good, but yeah, it's somewhere in the middle. It was a very well-made movie. Hands down. Just- what about you, Cam? Where do you put it? Um, I actually put it, uh, I don't put it above the dark Knight, Um, but I think I put it, uh, third in my ranking of favorite Batman movies. Um, what's first and second? Buddy, uh, first is, uh, Batman returns. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned that in right, a right, right, previous yeah, Batman but, yeah. episode, and then uh, what's second? Yeah, the uh, the Dark Knight is second. I can always watch that movie yeah. if it's just on randomly. I can sit through it and enjoy it. Uh, and then I put the Batman. I think third. Oh wow! Um, I I really liked it. Um, I was really excited for it too. I was like pretty hyped up. Like I was so excited for it after it came out that I just wanted to buy some type of memorabilia. And I bought soap. <laughs> mm. Batman's that'll, Batman's soap. That's amazing. Um, that'll that'll from, increase in value for sure. Uh, Doctor Squatch. If you guys have ever heard of them, a little plug. He's um, my favorite Marvel character. Okay. <laughs> and Cam, <laughs> quickly before <laughs> it goes back finish. to you, Dodd. You mentioned Mister Freeze. Are there rumors that they're going to try to get Gus from Breaking Bad to play Mister Freeze? Is that a thing that I heard? Ooh. I kind of like that. I haven't. Heard I don't know much about Mister Freeze in the comics. I have no idea. My only version of Mister Freeze is Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, but when I heard <laughs> Gus, I'm like, interesting. I like that. Yeah. I'll be honest. The rumors I heard were Clayface, and I like everybody else were like, what? How is that gonna work in this like very realistic Batman world? But well, Mister Free, Mister Freeze kind of falls into that though too, doesn't he? Like he's I heard got... a, I heard a great explanation. So I don't take any credit for this. I forget who came up with it. It was some YouTube channel. But there's gonna be a spoiler in here for the show Better Call Saul. Mm. Uh, have you have you guys seen it? No. Okay. It's okay. You can tell me. I don't. It's not really a spoiler. There's a character in that show that believes he has an allergy to electricity. Oh. So he doesn't. I mean, the show makes it clear that it's more like a psychological problem. But the guy feels like physically ill when he's around batteries or anything electric. So someone came up with the idea, like Mr. Freeze could believe that he needs to exist in cold mm. temperatures. I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah, maybe it's on I, I don't Instagram know. or something. I think I saw that. It too. was me, guys. I, I was the can't... one talking about it. Okay. You can't really explain like a, f- a freeze gun, you know, that you shoot and someone freezes. They don't think they're going to be able, unless he's like throwing nitroglycerin but d- on somebody. What's but- he like in the comics? Does he have a gun that shoots ice in the comics? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's his big okay. thing. That's his big <laughs> weapon. Yeah. The ice age. Yeah. Just bring Arnold back. Um, Don't. Well, maybe. Hey, multiverse. Anything's possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Now, you know, we're going to talk about the theme of this episode with all the different segments is going to be sort of the law of diminishing returns. Uh, We talked, you know, about how these franchises we used to be really excited for. Now we're kind of like, eh, about 
with all the different like Batmans that we have now, you know, Affleck, Keaton, uh, I don't know, whatever cartoon Batmans are going on now, Robert Pattinson, they're all kind of happening at once. When there's a sequel to the Batman coming out, will you guys care? Will you be as excited? Adam, are you going to be like, let's get tickets on the, the first day? Or are you already kind of like, eh, No, I, I enjoyed it enough. And I, I like, we, you and I see a lot of movies together. I, I, I'd be excited for it. Again, I like Matt Reeves. I thought he did a good job. I just, if they release the runtime and it's three hours again, I'll just be like, <laughs> oh my God. But no, I thought it was a well-made movie. And I, I just, you know, I get excited to go to the movies every once in a while. Like, you know. So, I'll be there. And Cam, you're pretty pumped? Yeah, I'll be pretty pumped when they announce it. I was pretty pumped when they, like, greenlit the sequel. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they, I saw it on, uh, like, DC's official Instagram or something like that. They were like, yeah. the Batman Part 2 officially greenlit. And I was I was pretty stoked. And, we got and I'll, Joker- be, I'll probably be pretty happy. We got Joker 2 as well coming out. <laughs> Potentially two Jokers at the same time. Great. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Bring back Jared Leto. Gonna be um, real fun. Well, I'll uh, I'll wrap it up with saying that uh, when you make a good movie, we're excited about it and we want to see more of them. So that's the secret formula, Hollywood. Just make a good movie and you'll get our money. Yep. Surprise. Yep. Okay, I gotta run. Thanks for joining me, guys. It's been great catching up with you, and mm-hmm. maybe we'll do it in two more years when there's more <laughs> Batman material out there. Just let me know. <laughs> All right, we'll be there. Thanks, no guys. Problem. One of the only near-perfect trilogy of movies was the beloved adventures of Indiana Jones. I used the past tense because in 2008, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull introduced a polarizing new entry to the series, and perhaps tarnished the character forever. After Crystal Skull, Harrison Ford wanted an opportunity to give the character a proper send-off, and this summer he finally got the chance in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. But back in May 2021, Adam and I welcomed guest Chris Montero to talk about whether or not we thought Indy had one last ride in him. Here's a clip. Do you think shifting directors may actually save Indiana Jones or do you think it's done? I think old man uh, Indy didn't work in Kingdom, so why is even older man Indy gonna work in the new one? Again, wh- why is 75, 80 year old Indy going out at this point in like adventures? So uh, I'm assuming, uh, Chris said it, uh, Andrew. So you think that Andy or Harrison Ford should not uh, play Indiana Jones again? He should be done. Who me? Yeah, like in your opinion. My opinion is they need to stop making these bloody movies. Just let it die. <laughs> and they should have they should have stopped in 1989. Just le- let it be, and we'll get some new stuff that we like. But we can't get good new stuff if the old shit keeps coming back. <laughs> Were our predictions correct? Here's my interview with Adam and Chris as we talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Chris, who did you see Dial of Destiny with? Uh, just the uh, just the in-laws and uh, my wife. They wanted to go. It was uh, Canada Day weekend because they were calling for like terrible weather. So we made plans to go see that and ended up being fine weather, but we still saw it anyway. I wasn't actually going to see it. They were the ones that instigated it. Uh, and because I saw the um, Rotten Tomatoes and reviews and all that stuff coming out of con and um, 
it did not look great, and I was like, oh, that sucks. And and then to your point too, I saw the runtime, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'll wait till Disney Plus for this one. But the in-laws took us, so I was like, eh, why not? Free movie. Well, I'm gonna take this opportunity to to jump in and uh, introduce what it is we're doing here. Uh, Chris and Adam, thanks for uh, finding the time to to pop back on here. Um, no problem. Thanks for setting it up. So, Adam, I mean. You know, you're a big enough uh, Indiana Jones fan that we did a whole episode about it and we talked in depth about the first four movies. And yet the fifth one has come out and I don't think you've even seen it. I, I really don't have a desire to see it. I was kind of in the same boat as Chris. I think, Chris, you just said you didn't really have any interest in seeing it, but no. you went with the family. I would have probably done something like that, but um, no. Uh, I saw the early reviews, the runtime, the trailers, the plot. And based on everything I've read and, and listened to in regards to reviews and stuff, it's pretty much in line with that. And I, I honestly, I, I don't feel like I'm I'm missing much. I'll catch it when it comes to to Disney Plus to maybe give it one watch. And and <clears throat> Chris, I know you saw it. I just think it's funny, and I saw it too. Um, but kind of under the same circumstances, Chris. Like I was not rushing out to see it uh, right away the day it opened. I didn't dress up. Um, I kind of saw it with a friend uh, same thing a rainy saturday afternoon and we're looking for a movie to go see so i mean i don't know i'll just put it out there like what does this mean what does this say i think there was a time when a new entry in a beloved franchise would come out and we'd all be really excited and we'd i used to go see movies on like the midnight showing right when it opened i couldn't wait anymore and now here's another indiana jones movie and nobody cares why do, why do you guys think what's going on now with the with the state of this industry yeah, I don't think it's definitely um, it's definitely not just this franchise. Uh, it's definitely most, if not all, big temples at this point. Like right before we recorded, we talked about Guardians. I happen to like Guardians three just upon my initial watch, uh, but Galloway said you weren't um, hot on it. But I feel that way with most big temple movies these days. Is like I only really watch them because like they appeal to my kid for the most part, and it's something easy to watch with the kid. But uh, had this thing had amazing Rotten Tomatoes coming out of Con, then I would have been first in line to see it. But because the reviews uh, generally sucked, then I was I had that similar opinion of uh, maybe I'll catch this on Disney at uh, some point. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat too. Uh, the reviews obviously didn't help. Um, I, and and to me, it, it seems a little desperate. They're trying to cash in on this nostalgic wave that we're still in, and. I don't know. I just there there especially right now. There there's so many movies that are coming out that I'm excited for. It just wasn't one. Mm -hmm. I look at like an Oppenheimer. It's original. It's something new. It's something different. It's a Christopher Nolan movie. He's hot. He's in his prime. Uh, even like a Barbie. It, it seems like it, I, I know it's an, like a. It's based on a, a doll, but like it's not a, a sequel. It's not a, a reboot or a remake. And I'm just that draws me in a little bit more right now. I don't. I wasn't huge on the fourth Indiana Jones. He's 80 years old. I just kind of had a feeling. I knew what it was gonna be, and I I, I know kind of where the story goes. But um, it just, I, you know, I need something more than just Harrison Ford, unfortunately, to pull me into a movie, unless it's something different. But I mean, that's just kind of where I was at. It's disappointing, but I don't know. I don't know why it's just a fifth movie in a franchise from the eighties. It's just, I don't know. It just seemed a little desperate to me to cash in. Do you think the uh, wave of nostalgia as you called it is officially over? I don't think it's over. It's past its peak. I think, 
I'm trying to think back. I, I don't really know when it started. I, I We talked about this actually way back on an episode with, with Jay Heagle. Um, right around Expendables was big in the early 2010s. And for like at least it's been at least 10 years. Yeah. I think it's on its way out. I, I think these box office scores are real. I think Hollywood's going to take notice because The Flash didn't do well. Um, this is not doing well. I think we're going to slowly ease out after this. I think anyone, any studio that's sitting right now coming up with an idea, they're seeing these numbers and they're saying, I don't know. You'd have to have a really good, 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 good idea or something. I just think it's, you know, I don't think we're going to see anything like Top Gun Maverick anymore, like that big of a of a film for a legacy sequel or, or a remake or whatever. Well, the difference too with Maverick as well is that um – Maverick, they hadn't made a Top Gun sequel in like 30, what, 30 years, give or take, versus we. Oh, for sure. That the last yeah, Indiana yeah. Jones. And that's kind of the biggest disappointment of this Indiana Jones is like it's been well known for 14, 15 years, whenever it was the last one came out, that like not too many people were hot on that movie for the most part. So you had an opportunity to redeem yourself, and they, they, they just didn't. <laughs> Uh, I uh, I want to mention Top Gun because Adam you brought it up and it's always a great example. I I consider Top Gun to be an example of like nostalgia alone can't save your movie, right? Like mm-hmm. I think that we had probably I don't know the numbers, but we probably had diminishing returns on the new Halloween trilogy. You know, Jamie Lee couldn't save Halloween Ends. I don't know how it did at the box office. All, the uh, movies just gradually mm-hmm. just didn't make as much more. The first one was big, and then by Halloween Ends, it was just right. fine. That right. first one was and, great. De- yeah, debatable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you know, and we're seeing it with, uh, uh, I want to save it for, for later, a, a different segment, but we're seeing it with Marvel. Like, look how big the first Black Panther was. Then Wakanda Forever comes out, and I don't think it did nearly as well. Thor Love and Thunder did not do nearly as well as Ragnarok did. Um, there was a few others in there. I don't know, Multiverse of Madness, if it did as well as the first. Quantumania. Oh, God, I forgot. Yeah, biggest biggest drop-off, second weekend drop-off of any MCU movie. So I I think it's maybe maybe the formula here is that it was never about nostalgia. It was nostalgia draped over a good movie. And that's what Top Gun is, right? Top Gun is just a good movie. It's fun. It's it's exciting. It's it's well paced. Um, the nostalgia is like a byproduct of that. Like no one was like, oh, I have to see Tom Cruise back in a plane. Like just watch Mission Impossible Seven. Like you'll you'll see that, you know. <laughs> but um, but it's it was just again, I, it, I to me, it's always about the writing and and always about the characters. And and do you think that in the end? Well, I want to start. Actually, I want to jump over to you, Chris. Um, I'll start with the harder question, which is what was good about Dial of Destiny? Uh, I don't know. It was just like fine. I, I actually watching, <laughs> nothing, watching. Nothing was good about it. Nothing was good. I thought there was like, like there, the opening shot. Oh, okay. Sorry. Actually, what was good about Dial of Destiny was the opening. I actually liked the opening 20 minutes because I was expecting walking into that movie. I was expecting a not good movie based on the reviews. And I was actually pretty hooked in those first 20 minutes with young uh, Harrison Ford. And, like, I heard someone else say it on a different podcast, but, like, I would have been so down for them to just make a movie where he's entirely de-aged. And, like, we just go – basically our biggest complaint – I just listened to our podcast that we recorded in May uh, for the uh, – 2021 for the Raiders' 40th an- uh, anniversary. And our biggest complaint was that 
old man Indiana Jones is not great. And I think that first opening 20 minutes kind of shows you that. Like, it kind of felt similar to the vibe that the first three films give you. I'm not saying it's great, but I'm saying it was the best part of the movie to me. And I would have rather have seen uh, the rest of the movie play out in that style because I didn't think the CG was too distracting. I thought it was actually really well done in a couple of shots. And uh, once we move on from there and we go back to Old Man Indiana Jones, it's the same complaint we had about the fourth movie. Just like, I just I just don't care about Old Man Indiana Jones. I want to see him on his adventures. Like, like he's always just given off this vibe of I'm too old for this shit the whole time. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he is. He is. <laughs> He's 80. He's yeah. 80 he's, years old. He's 20 years older than Sean Connery was when they filmed Last Crusade. Wow. And Sean Connery's old in that. He's old. <laughs> I thought that was a crazy fact. He doesn't do a lot. Well, I, I remember in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, they were kind of like, you know, we'll address his age a little bit, but age be damned. Like, we're still going to have him swing. And we're going to have him punch guys and we're going to have him fight big, angry Russians. And we're going to kind of act like even though he's in his 60s, we're going to act like he's in his 30s still. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I remember that being distracting in 2008 when Crystal Skull came out. Like I was like, is this guy really going to be able to stand toe to toe with this giant Russian who's like half his age? Yeah. Um, it's like it's just not gonna he's gonna have arthritis it's like uh, rocky balboa he's gonna have arthritis he's gonna have you know you, you gotta know start building some hurting bombs hurting bombs that's it <laughs> um so i think they finally had to acknowledge that in this movie like okay if we have this 80 year old man swinging from a, a whip and beating up guys in their 20s it no one's gonna buy it but then the answer the solution is he doesn't do that much he doesn't. Like all, you, all you can have him do is drive a car and kind of walk around. Um, okay, so you liked the opening where so I liked Harrison Ford th- isn't an old man. Yes, um, yes. And anything else that you thought was good about the rest of the movie? Any pros? Uh, Mad, Mads Mikkelsen's always great. Uh, but other than that, like I'm, I'm failing to remember standout <laughs> moments. Like, like. Phoebe, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge like wasn't anything special. They pulled a, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Snakes on a Plane, but the ending to is it better than Dallas? <laughs> it's about on par. Well, they stole the Snakes on a Plane ending because in Snakes on a Plane, the way they land the titular plane is that Keenan Thompson plays this like random character who's on the plane who plays a lot of video games. And he's the only competent guy on the plane left alive who can land the plane. And that's kind of what happens in Indiana Jones. That kid who was playing around with a bunch of paper and toys when we're first introduced to him because he wants to be a pilot, lands that plane at the end and, like, starts the plane. And it's, it's, just, it's just dumb. Okay. You guys aren't doing a very good job of making me go watch this movie. <laughs> You know, like I said, I think I slight. I think after watching Kingdom, I think there's good parts. Like uh, I said it in our old review as well. I think the first half, roughly the first maybe two thirds of Kingdom, is like it's nowhere near Raiders or Last Crusade like quality. But I wouldn't describe it as an awful movie. It's it's really when the alien stuff becomes really heavy in the last uh, act that that movie I agree. starts to I lose agree with me. That. But um, Dial just never gets there. Like after that opening twenty minutes, it just it never comes back to that exciting action that happens in the first 20 minutes. It, uh, it sorely uh, um, 
um, suffers from a lack of Spielberg. Spielberg knows how to make, not all the time, but Spielberg knows how to make an action sequence kind of fun, kind of fresh, and inventive uh, camera angles and inventive action. Definitely. And this just didn't, it was competent, but none of the action scenes felt anywhere near as like clever as something Spielberg would direct. No. Even watching well, Kingdom, that, the the opening action scene of Kingdom in um in the warehouse and stuff like that, like that, like that is somewhat memorable. Obviously, the nuking the fridge moment is like a super uh, popular moment on the internet for memes and stuff. Um, but yeah, nothing in Dial of Destiny like I can't other than again the opening train sequence. I can't recall moments in the action scenes uh, other than thinking like let's just speed this along to the next next thing, please. <laughs> So I was just going to ask you guys a question. Uh, this is just in regards to a comment made on Red Letter Media uh, in regards to James Mangold directing it, who is a very good filmmaker. He's mm -hmm. made Logan, Copland, Girl Interrupted, Walk the Line. He's, he's very good. Uh, but I, in regards to what you said about Spielberg and it lacking, it just from what I've gathered from people talking about it, it's just kind of dour. It's just kind of serious. No jokes, real land. It's not Definitely. fun. Do you guys kind of agree with that? Does that make sense? Or yeah, I would agree to that. Like, like Dodd, you said lack of Spielberg, and that's how I kind of connected that. Where you have another good filmmaker, but was he the right filmmaker for this movie? Yeah, I, I think probably not. Right? Like Logan was good. Uh, Ford v Ferrari was. Yes, good. Ford v Ford v Ferrari. Yeah, that's right. Um, but like, does that does that him a Spielberg make? Probably not. Like mm -hmm. I, and I, I, I listen, I'm not a huge fan of what JJ Abrams uh, comes up with to write. Um, but I do think Abrams has the closest thing to a directing style that matches Spielberg. Yeah, um, so really I'm like, if you're going to make a fifth Indiana Jones movie, you probably should get JJ Abrams to direct it. Just don't have him write it. Uh, and, and it'll at least feel a bit closer. So yeah, I, Again, nothing against James Mangold, but when you're going to do some fun pop pulp action, you got to get somebody who's uh, going to be able to match Spielberg's eye. I appreciated that the cinematography in this one matched the original three a bit better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull did, because yeah, it wasn't it wasn't Yanis Kaminsky doing it, and it didn't have that very Yanis Kaminsky look, which is very distinct from the Douglas Slocum look of the first three. So they, I think they did. A, they took a little more care to try and match like the lighting and some of the atmosphere, but it just didn't have any of the um, energy behind it. I, <clears throat> I um, Chris, what did you think of the music? I was thinking that as I was, as I was uh, listening to our old episode of like I feel like nothing, it, both in Kingdom and uh, Dial of Destiny, like there's no pieces of music that stand out to me from the other than obviously the classic theme like there wasn't anything that stood out to me like i said this was a totally fine film like i came out of the film it's almost worse than a bad film because at least like you could there's stuff to talk about in a bad film but with this film you're just like didn't hate it didn't love it probably won't watch it again let's move on with our life kind of thing <laughs> let's move on yeah <laughs> let's never speak of this again okay so i think the lesson here is just we got to let these things die. We have to let Indiana Jones. And, and, and I get it, right? Harrison Ford is trying to imbue all of this characterization onto Indiana Jones. He likes the idea that Indiana Jones is like 
his Rocky Balboa to, to slide. Mm-hmm. It's like whatever Harrison's going through in his life now, he likes to. But that only started in Last Crusade with the father and son element and then continued on to Crystal and now continues on to here. And I get that. Like you can have a good story about a man who in his prime relied very much on his physicality, right? What do you do when your livelihood and your passion is based on having a body that can take a beating and now you're old? What do you do, right? You're depressed and you're alone. And, and you know, we've all seen it a million times, the old guy out for one last hurrah and he recaptures some of the old magic. But I just don't think we want it from Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is always best when he's a young archetype. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Now, that being said, I didn't hate this. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, anyone so when, anyone so, there? So do you do you like this better than Kingdom then? Uh, I mean, I'll give it time to percolate, but I think so. Like it, Kingdom, I get what you're saying about at least a bad movie has bad things to talk about, but Kingdom was like offensive. It had aliens in a bloody Indiana Jones movie. Like I just could never get on board with that. I felt this, similarly about this movie though. When they, when they actually, like when you start tuning in that like, oh, are they about to time travel? Like, and then they do, and you're like, oh, that's that seems out of that seemed the the main complaint we had on Kingdom was like it went from this like adventure film to a sci-fi film, and I felt very similar here as well. I guess so, and in theory, I would have agreed. Although watching the movie, I think they were aware of that and really downplayed the sci-fi elements. So I mean, I get what you're saying, Chris, but and I fully went in ready to exp- like be like, oh my god, time travel in an Indiana Jones movie, but. When he went back in time and it's like ancient Greece and Indiana Jones is there, I was kind of like, yeah, I can see this sort of fitting. Like this is kind of the different Indiana Jones adventure that I think I was looking for last time. Right? I don't always want him going after the Ark of the Covenant or the Holy Grail or the, the Spear of Christ or the, you know, whatever bi- biblical art of Moses's staff. Like we've seen that, right? I like when it's something different. And I kind of thought seeing Indiana Jones along with like ancient uh, Greek and Rome. I thought that was kind of cool. So Dodd, Dodd, question for you, and uh, you, I, I might be wrong. So did you go into Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in 2008 with slightly higher expectations because Spielberg, George Lucas, and all that, and then you were greatly disappointed, and then the opposite with this? Did you just go in with really low expectations and you were kind of surprised? Do you think that's maybe a little bit of that? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I was naive, more naive in 2008. And even mm-hmm. though I was like, who wants to see an old Indiana Jones? I People were like, <clears throat> they were hyping that movie up. I remember Spielberg. These guys are all full of shit, you know. I remember Spielberg <laughs> in interviews being like, this one feels the closest to Raiders that any of them do. And he was like super yeah. enthusiastic about it. And I was like, oh, great. This is going to be a fun romp. And then... <laughs> fucking cgi alien blows up kate blanchett's head or whatever i'm like this is what's going on here i want to know your secrets i want to know your secrets i want to know all of them <laughs> oh my god how secrets. do you remember that line <laughs> i just rewatched the four of them i, oh, I didn't watch Dallas destiny but i watched the other four. Oh, okay you just rewatched it because i was if i didn't just rewatch it i would be like what the hell are you first quoting? three are great i don't know if you guys know first three are great mm-hmm. yeah i'm a fan <laughs> So yes, Adam. To answer your question, yeah, going in this, going into this one with zero expectations, I think really helped. Mm-hmm. I and can I, see that. I, I could, pro- I'd probably be in the same boat as you if I went in and just turned my brain off, which is kind of disappointing as well. I don't want to have to do that. 
like I know the ending when they when they go back to ancient Greece or I don't whatever the specific time is, and to me it's like that just seems like schlocky fun. I mean, and I've heard a lot of people specifically again I keep referring to Red Letter Media. They said for them it almost saved the movie for them because they were just bored and it was just something yeah. different. So maybe it would have worked for me. I don't know. I liked uh, the eels. There's eels in it. You know so how there's always the one, that was a funny always a creepy joke. scene, right? Then uh, I liked that it was eels this time. Go ahead. That was that was a funny joke, but I feel like after watching the movie, is like you could have cut out that whole section, and it would really not mess with the movie too much in terms of how the plot plays out. Like I thought it was weird to have Antonio Banderas in there for like what was it? Like that scene's like that whole sequence is ten to twenty minutes. And I don't, to me personally, like I thought the joke was funny with the eels, but like seeing like eighty year old, especially on the eve uh, or on the aftermath of all this like uh, Titan submarine shit that we're seeing in the news, and you got eighty year old Indiana Jones like at the bottom of the ocean where they're like, you got three minutes, otherwise you're dead, and there's like CGI eels and stuff. I don't know. That's where that part of the movie lost me a little bit. I was like, you could cut out this twenty minutes and like make this movie twenty minutes shorter. Yeah, I agree with Red Letter Media. The idea of an underwater action sequence is something we've never really seen in Indiana Jones. So, like, good idea, but it was poorly filmed and uh, <laughs> and mixed and acted. And, well, and yeah, you got an eighty-year-old guy in a wetsuit going down to the like. Oh, he's he's gonna get the bends for sure. Really, the uh, biggest uh, like we said it in our old episode as well, like. Uh, we so we recorded in May uh, 2021 about a month before they started shooting the movie so we talked about James Mangold we talked about how uh, Spielberg left left because of uh, creative differences on the script and mm-hmm. I still think all of that shines true of like I think James Mangold could have made a good movie had it been good on paper uh, and and I think there's elements of that here but overall it just they just they were close but they they didn't get it and if if only they had worked on the script for maybe a little bit longer or i don't know what there was like four or five screenwriters credited to the script so that's always a good sign that's, a good sign. that's yeah. Uh, yeah exactly right same with all those transformers movies and all that shit there's like always like five screenwriters on those things and it's like who is writing this schlock so what really stood out to me for this movie is the budget do you guys are you guys aware of the budget of this movie yeah, yeah it's way too big 300 million dollars yeah so i did some math gentlemen i did i adjusted for inflation the original three indiana jones movies so the first (laughs) movie was made for 18 million dollars adjusted for inflation again this is just guesstimation online i don't know if it's accurate or not but adjusted for inflation raiders of the lost ark 58 mil uh temple of doom 28 mil in 1984 adjusted for inflation 73 mil and last crusade in 1989 48 mil adjusted for inflation 101 million what the hell costs so much money in this movie that like (laughs) it's not gonna make it's not gonna make any money back like it's gonna be a huge flop like why is the budget so much they shot during like kind of peak covid so you have to factor in all those stupid costs um but there's so much cgi in this movie and do you know how much oppenheimer costs to make how much with five a-listers in it how much 100 mil See now, I think that's a different. I think that's a different kind of movie, though. Where you're like, oh, an original Christopher Nolan movie shot entirely in IMAX. Like, 
It's kind of like but Tarantino. But that's my point. I'm saying like, like to, you, to be profitable. You can profitable. get A-listers for cheap because they want to be in your flick versus like this seemed like a paycheck for everyone. For sure. But my point is that if you want, don't want to flop and you want to make money and make – why are you making a fifth Indiana Jones movie for $300 million when – like Barbie, I wrote down as well, 145 mil, and that's gonna have a lot of CGI in it. And No Way Home was 200 million. Why is Indiana Jones so much more? All these movies were filmed during COVID. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Definitely, well, it's I, crazy. I, I, that I just didn't. I didn't expect the budget to be that high. I thought maybe 150 something like that. And I'm like 300 million dollars. Like, it's not even gonna cover its marketing costs. Like, it's gonna be even the Flash. I, I don't have the number for it, but it just blew me away because I'm like, these movies are made. The, the original uh, movies were practical movies on location, made for cheap, two-hour runtimes, in and you're out, done. And this movie just seems overbloated and just full of nonsense. If it's two and a half hours and made for $300 million. That's all I had to say. Sorry for venting. No, no, you're not wrong. It's like they definitely don't uh, – I guess the money is on screen, but it just goes back to like it's not exciting. Like that whole time um, – the going back in time sequence and stuff obviously you can see the dollars on screen there but it's just not in my opinion it just wasn't entertaining it just wasn't compelling mm-hmm. that's crazy i i what boggles me is that kathleen kennedy or or disney or whoever it is is like yep sounds good like how did they possibly <laughs> think this was going to be the biggest movie of all time like when was this ever tracking to be like <laughs> avatar 2 you know, like nobody even asked for it. Like, do they not even have uh, focus groups or surveys or anything where people are like, yeah, I'd go see another Indiana Jones movie. Well, like, if you're comping no. off the last Indiana Jones, Kingdom must have done pretty well. Like, it did. I, I, got, I actually have it right here. Oh, okay, what was the price tag and then what did it make? So budget for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was 185 in 2008. So okay. I, I didn't do that one for, adjusted for inflation. And it made worldwide seven hundred and ninety million. So it was oh, profitable. Oh, that's not obviously. even that's profitable, but that's not even that good of a return to be like, yeah, the next one should cost almost yeah, double. Totally agree. Totally yeah, agree. That's terrible. It it's uh, it's, I mean, I don't know. I'm not inside those offices, but it it just seems so mindless. Like I think, The Force Awakens came out in 2015 and was like the biggest movie of all time, and ever since then. Kathleen Kennedy and Disney were just like, okay, that's it. That's the formula. Just do that. Just do that every single time. Like play on the nostalgia, play on the specialness of this, play on the fact that your actors are coming back and this was your childhood and you it hits you in the feels. Um, like they just, and, but it's eight years out from the force awakens and a string of flops since, and they still keep sticking to that formula. I don't know why they think it's going to work. It worked for them one time. Well, they're they're going through a revamp because we haven't seen a Star Wars film in a theater now for since what? When was the last one? Twenty nineteen. Thank God. And the la- <laughs> and the next one is until maybe twenty twenty six, something like that. Maybe if it doesn't get pushed back, like all these other ones keep doing. Yeah, it, it's oversaturation. There's way too like it's way too much. You don't even have a chance to miss anything anymore. Like it's not. And like Dodd said, no one was asking for this. No one. I mean, people were begging Tom Cruise for years to do a Top Gun Maverick. And again, I know we keep going to that, but that was an example of something that was requested and people wanted, and they they built a good, solid foundation for that movie. This just kind of seems, seems kind of seems like it came out of nowhere. 
it's just it's just greed right like they just think they can ride the train forever like they, they're determined to just keep doing it until it does like so embarrassingly bad that they have to stop yeah but yeah this this one with what i mentioned in the last podcast i'm not sure if you guys have caught up on video games at all but haven't watched last... uncharted yet okay so un- so the movie uncharted uh is not good is the game <laughs> uncharted the, the 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 games are amazing Similar to, I have a very similar opinion on Last of Us. I think the Last of Us video game is amazing. Last of Us show is okay. Um, but the Uncharted games are amazing. And I said in that podcast, I hope the Uncharted movie is great, but I have my doubts. And uh, my doubts were correct. Uncharted sucked. <laughs> this movie was better than Uncharted. But I still agree with my opinion that I essentially ended on in that episode, where if they're going to keep making these movies, just recast him at this point let's do younger adventures or if we're not going to recast him let's just do cgi harrison ford the entire time because it looked pretty good <laughs> and i'd rather personally watch that than you, old you, man you, you know the uh the actors screen actors guild is striking over that very incident as we speak well yeah. I, yeah but i think they're striking over the fact that like they don't want dead people to be resurrected but like if they're still alive i think it's more like ethical <laughs> in a, in a that home. they can do it <laughs> Harrison, sign this release, please. Can Jack you sign Nicholson, your name? we're making Harrison? a Shining 2. It's all good. <laughs> hey, you know what? If you're with those guys, though, I bet you signed that contract. It's probably a sure, nice, like, pretty penny. Why not? I think Bruce Willis did, right? Like, I mean, that's a yeah. bit of a different different scenario. Mm-hmm. because Yeah, Bruce honest, Willis did. Yeah. Well, we were absolutely right. Just let these things die and let pretty them rest much. in peace, and something new and good will come out of the ashes like a phoenix. I don't know. Just to kind of end on here, Dot, I don't know if you ever clue into this. I was reading about this. Same to you as well, Chris. 1989, what were the two highest grossing films of that year? Batman. And what was number one? Batman wasn't number one. Batman Worldwide was number two. Last Crusade was number one? Last Crusade was number one. So, in 1989, you had Michael Keaton and Harrison Ford duking it out for number one at the box office. I think Batman was better domestic i think last crusade was better internationally and it came out on top and then in 2023 you have both of them fighting for the biggest flop (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm gonna end it here thanks guys (laughs) (laughs) no we need to bitch about indiana jones 5 for another hour (laughs) we can do that later the very first episode of the viewers cut aired on may 19th 2020 over three years ago. In that inaugural episode, Ryan, Mauricio, Adam, and I talked about one of the biggest franchises in cinema history, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. At the time of recording, Phase 3 had just ended with Avengers Endgame being fresh in our minds. Did we think the series had enough steam to capture our attention beyond Endgame? In the very next episode, we tackled the other unavoidable IP behemoth, Star Wars. At the time, only The Mandalorian Season 1, the very first Star Wars streaming show, had been released. Here are some snippets from both our original MCU and Star Wars episodes. I think they're going to play around a little bit, especially as Adam brought up on the Disney Plus streaming platform, like with their with their WandaVision and their Loki, they're going to have some fun with that stuff. Yeah. But 
I think for sure they're, they're already having meetings or have already had meetings, maybe even before the Infinity Saga was over about, okay, what, what's the next thing? Do they think they can do this forever? Yes. Or do they think that there's going to be a time when they're like, oh, crap, uh, box office is going down. We need to wrap this up. Uh, yeah, with the, the fate of cinema in general on the line right now, it'll be interesting to see how the MCU deals with that. Uh, maybe the MCU will like have a big boost after this whole thing's done, or maybe it will just try to stream everything to something like Disney Plus, and everything will become sort of like a miniseries. What's the status of that? Uh, isn't there? What's the next? Uh, aren't they trying to get the Obi Wan Kenobi uh, show greenlit? Is that already greenlit? What's the oh. status on that? Um, show? As far as I know, I think it was kind of an uh, hold. Ryan and I were were halfway with the Mandalorian. Uh, Have you guys Plus. seen it? Yes. I think yes, God, wa- God watched it first, and then okay. I watched it a little bit after yeah, he saw it, and then, yeah. And I went in, open arms, super excited, loved the first episode. I was like, this is great. And I must say, after the fifth, I was like, so when is something's going to happen here? It got boring Yeah. so far. I love the music. I love the explorations. I love the lack of Jedi's. But man, that was boring. <laughs> I was super bored. Oy, a good thing we updated our microphones. I'm happy to say that Ryan, Mauricio, Adam, and I all recently had an opportunity to reunite and discuss the MCU and Star Wars again. This time, however, we all had a little less to say. Enjoy. This is a bit of a reunion for uh, anyone who used to listen to the viewers' cut. We have uh, all four of its founding members here today. Me, Andrew, Adam, Ryan, and Mauricio are all here for the first time in in a couple of years. So welcome back, everybody. The Mount Rushmore. (laughs) hey oh. The very first episode of the viewers' cut was, I think, May 19th, 2020, over three years ago. And uh, we talked about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then our following episode, the next week, uh, we talked about the Star Wars franchise. Uh, so, again, these two franchises have had a lot of things that have come out, either in uh, theaters or on streaming, since that time. And I'm just curious. What I'm going to do here is we'll start with uh, Marvel. And I've got a list here of all the Marvel properties that have come out since we recorded that Marvel episode on May 19th, 2020. I'm just going to go through the list. And as I'm going, I want each of you to think about what on that list have you actually watched. And if you've watched any of it, then I'm going to ask you what you thought of it. Cool? Are you going to be including the TV shows? Yes. Okay. Uh Uh-oh. So when we had last chatted, the latest entry was Spider-Man Far From Home. So since that time, they've released WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Black Widow, What If, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, Hawkeye, Spider-Man No Way Home, Moon Knight, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Miss Marvel, Thor, Love and Thunder, she-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Werewolf by Night. <laughs> Sorry. 
That killed me out of guard. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, uh-huh. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and Secret Invasion. That's all in three years. So I can go over the list again if anyone, but please don't make yeah, tw- Twice <laughs> more, please. I don't yeah, even yeah, want to yeah. hear it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, Adam. Yes. Did you watch any of that? Um, <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, so I don't remember the order specifically. <laughs> I'm um, married. <laughs> um, yeah, No Way Home, Multiverse of Madness, Guardians 3, um, a couple of the TV shows. Hawkeye was okay. Uh, WandaVision started out great, then kind of petered off. Um, I haven't seen Black Panther yet. Haven't seen Love Thor, L- Love and Thunder, Thor: Love and Thunder. A bunch of those TV shows, Eternals. No, so I would say less than half. I think, roughly. It's a good number. Ryan, did you see any of those that I listed off? Yeah, I was doing pretty good for a while, and then uh, <laughs> the Eternals came up. And uh, I hadn't seen that one. And that was the first uh, Cinematic Universe uh, movie I missed. Uh, And then I I heard from, like, Mauricio that it was was okay. Uh, Nothing to really, you know, be excited about. So I just just missed it. Um, Had you seen all the previous movies in theaters? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, uh, after, like, catching up and, like, getting to the end game, I still showed up at the theater and watched everything. But then Eternals happened. <laughs> and actually, even after that, I did pretty good on the TV shows, too. I saw WandaVision. I saw Loki. I saw Winter Soldier uh, or whatever, Falcon and the yep. Winter Soldier or whatever. The other guy. <laughs> the other one, yeah. Uh, Hawkeye, yeah. I even saw What If. Like, I, I was I was keeping up. Uh, I... I didn't get Disney Plus. Like I, I lost the subscription. Didn't feel like kind of uh-huh. getting it back just for these shows. I was like, maybe right. one day I'll get the subscription back and I'll I'll, I'll binge it. But uh, no, just it's not part of. I, I'm busy. I'm busy these days, and it feels like too much of a time commitment for something that's kind of mediocre. Because I kind of felt the TV shows they were just lacking something. Uh, it was too much of a commitment for pretty much nothing uh i felt like after the end of the seasons you know not much progressed and i didn't think they connected to the cinematic universe as much as i thought they would um and mao how about you did you uh did you go see any of those movies in the theater i would say i i went to see the same as ryan uh like Mm -hmm. most of them we watched them together um we watched the wakanda forever we watched the um Multiverse of Madness. I think the only ones I I watched without him was Eternals. And what was the other one? Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't watch many. So it, you know it 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 to me I guess it the 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 question we have to ask is have we changed? Has the property changed, or is it just a combination of both? Like, have we grown out of it? Or is it getting bad? Or we were in danger of getting growing out of it, and because it's bad, we were just like, all right, it's easy to drop it. Um, I think Ryan has something to say, but in my, in my opinion, it's a combination of all of those. It's like I a, would agree with Mauricio. It's, it's a, a little big bit of gathering. Because when they see one that 
uh, I don't know, people will watch whatever, they take down the quality of it. And then also we grew out of it because I personally got, uh, it was like an overdose of Marvel. I was like, I, I need a break. So that all that mixed and then they keep stretching it and you feel like, how far can we get with this? It's turning into a Grey's Anatomy that someone's like, oh, I've been watching the last season. It's like, is that still going? I was going to say, I agree with Mauricio. A big thing for me is um, it just rifling off some of these movies. Like, Black Widow's movie was way too late. Um, Guardians 3, Doctor Strange 2, Black Panther 2, the Marvel or the new Captain Marvel movie that's coming out. These are all sequels and third installments post-Endgame. Whereas with the b before it was building up to Endgame, now they're just trying to. It's like they're trying to keep this together. They're taking old things and trying to mesh in new things, and it's just. I think they're kind of losing their grasp on it, and they're just trying to figure it out. And I think the beauty of the buildup is over now, where they're just kind of dealing with what they have left over. Robert Downey Jr. is gone. Chris Evans is gone. Oh, we got Thor four. We got Guardians 3, and it's like, okay, well, these characters had resolutions already. Like, I, it, that's just my opinion, but it's like, I don't really care. Like, I wish Black Widow had a movie earlier, but when I'm watching this, I'm like, I didn't know what her fate is. This is just a, kind of them throwing something together to give it to Scarlett Johansson, which des who deserved her own movie, but it was just a little too late. So that's kind of where I'm coming at, where I'm like, eh, I don't, eh. Guardians 3 was the most recent one I watched. I'm like fine okay yeah all right that's what i had to say yeah I, and we talked it's funny you know i think we were pretty wise when we talked about this before because we you know i think what we predicted has come to pass what we said in the last yes. episode was they're going to need to have like a really good hook because we're all kind of feeling like it's over end game really felt like this is the end um, if you game. want me to cut, if you want, yeah, yeah it's like it's right in there. <laughs> if, the game is over. If if you want us to come back, it has to, like Adam. You may have seen more of those shows or movies if everyone was raving about it. If mm -hmm. everyone was yeah. like, "Oh my god, you reviews gotta go didn't check help out. either." Like a lot of like, if you look at the reviews of Marvel, like as a whole, a good chunk of the weakest reviewed movies are like most of the recent ones. If you act, like, I know Love and Thunder was poorly reviewed. Um, Eternals, I think, is the lowest. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it, again, it, like Mauricio said, another part of this is quality. I, I don't think the scripts are as good. And that's just my opinion, but I think they're getting a little lazy and like, trying to follow that original formula that is just not quite there anymore. But it's true, like, they're, they're being too retrospective when they should be going forward with their, their stuff. Like, I, I love how there was always cause and effect in their movies. Like, uh, even in the shows after Endgame, like, they talk about the blip all the time. And I, I think that was very interesting. But then you get to, like, the, the most recent movies, and, you know, all those events don't even seem to matter anymore either. Um, I, like, I didn't mind that they were all standalones in some way, but yeah, it's true. They're, they're not connecting. Uh, if they're building up a multiverse uh, cinematic phase, it should have a lot more impact. Uh, it kind of sucks that uh, they, they threw all their eggs into the, the, uh, the villain and the name uh, Kang, because, yeah, what, what the last Avengers movie is supposed to be the Kang dynasties, or 
Uh, is that before or after the invasion? Do you know? So Avengers 5 is the Kang Dynasty. Avengers 6 is the se- is Secret Wars. But I guess they could do anything they want in a multiverse phase. You know, they can say this connects to this in some way or that Kang is a, just a variant of another Kang. Like, it just, this, this whole thing seems like... Uh, they're just writing the rules, and they have no consequences, and there's no real cause and effect. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters. I feel like I'm watching uh, uh, Grease too. <laughs> exactly. Reproduction. Exactly. Reproduction. Cause, yeah, because you go back, it's the same story, but you don't have the original cast. Just someone that was a second character <laughs> guiding you through. It takes you nowhere. It's not good quality. And you're just there like, why does this keep happening? <laughs> Stop. But then there's Frenchie there, so it's connected. <laughs> That's what I mean as a second character. She was like, now we're focusing, <laughs> now we're focusing in, in uh, freaking like Loki or uh, Falcon or uh, uh, Winter Soldier. Because you lose the main guys who were the heart of the thing, in my opinion. So we're in Greece too. Yeah, what's your favorite Avenger now? Like, honestly, who's left that you, like, love still? Spider-Man maybe will be and there? And even his movie resets to, like, nothing. Oh, yeah, everyone <laughs> forgot, uh, forgot about him. He doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say, speaking of multiverse, are, are we also getting tired of multiverse? Because between mm. the MCU, the DCEU, and the Across the Spider-Verse movies, I feel like I'm sick and tired of and multiverse. Everything, everything all at once. Everything, everywhere, gonna, all yeah. at once. Like <laughs> I was going to say, it, that's the best multiverse movie yeah. I've seen. Yeah, so and it, again, that's not even a comic book. But still, like just right now in pop culture, everything seems to be multiverse, multiverse, multiverse. And it's like, oh my god. Like, And I, I'm hearing rumors like they're asking Hugh Jackman about coming back. Like, it seems like the MCU and Kevin Feige are very desperate. Like, let's just get everyone back and we're and, and that's not that's not good. That's just desperate. That's just let's just try to bring people in. It's like no, tell like that's what that was the best part of the MCU, the original run, were the stories of all these characters that we like. Captain America's story, Tony Stark's story, Black Widow's story. Okay. Hawk, yeah, Hawkeye's even he had a little bit of a story like even that was touching an endgame with his family like it was earned what they were fighting for was earned Hawkeye getting back to his family like I know he's not a, the forefront of the Avengers but we cared we cared about these characters and now I don't care what happens to Captain Marvel I don't care what happens like even Thor 4 again I didn't see the movie but I'm like like I, do you guys in Love and Thunder? Do they dive deep into his character? I just heard it's a big joke the whole movie. Like I don't know, I haven't yeah, seen it's a big it. Joke. But... It's it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know that they put any effort into replacing like a Robert Downey Jr. Right? Like he we said in the last time he's kind of like the father of this franchise. You know, you could always return to an Iron Man or uh, when Iron Man's movies were done, he was still showing up in other people's movies, and that gave it some credibility. And when they, you know, they got rid of these two major, two or three major characters, you know, Black Widow died, Tony Stark died, and Captain America got old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He became a raisin. (laughs) He's gone. What do you, you have to fill that void and they've done nothing to, to fill that void. Who, who, like Ryan said, who's your favorite Avenger now? Who, who's, who's the face of this franchise now? 
I feel like they wanted to do it for with Spider-Man, like uh, when uh, Far From Home came out. They they kind of like posed that question, like who's gonna be the next Iron Man? Maybe it's you, Spider-Man. But then by the time No Way Home came, they like threw that out the window. Right. (laughs) Yes. So I don't know who is. Who's left? I I don't know why they. I mean, who knows? But like, right after Endgame, I would have started with. Like you said, take a break, and then I would have gone in with something big. Like, take that time to introduce the Fantastic Four and cast, like, uh, a beloved, well-known Tom actor or, or act. Tom Cruise <laughs> as Mr. Fantastic, 60-year-old Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, but, yeah, somebody big like that, a big, recognizable, well-known, beloved name. Nicholas Cage. I don't know. You know, somebody that's. <laughs> I would watch that. He will be my that's... favorite Avenger. I was thinking George Clooney, only because you said fantastic. And John I Krasinski. Fantastic Mr. Fox. No, what about Batman? Yeah. He was Batman. He was Batman, yeah. Um, You'd save so the MCU. They should have done that and had a new Tony Stark, and, and then at least we could have. And if Fantastic Four was a, just a good standalone story, that at least could have like been the springboard to get us into the new stuff going on. To your point about multiverse, Adam. Yeah. So in the in the comics, Secret Wars, it was like it, it was like Doctor Doom somehow pulled every character in the Marvel Comics universe onto like one planet and made them all fight each other. And there was like different versions of each character from different universes. Oh wow! So that's Ooh, gangbang. that's what they're planning for the movie <laughs> Secret Wars. Gangbang. <laughs> hey, new... Well, they've tried everything else. <laughs> it's a new saga. Instead of a Khan, you just have a gangbang. Shaka Khan. Sure, the audience is getting older. We're able to handle new things. <laughs> anyway, I, I I'm sure their big plan was like to what what could top Endgame? What could possibly top Endgame? Well, not only is everybody from Endgame back again, but you've got six Tony Starks, and some of them are Robert Downey Jr. One of them's Tom Cruise, you know, and then they're and then you've got Toby and Andrew and Tom all back. Every like and Hugh Jackman and all Patrick Stewart, all the X Men are there. Ben Affleck shows up as Daredevil, and Chris Evans shows up as the Human Torch and as Captain America. Oh, and they, so have cool. address, they have to address the fact that they look the same. I feel like that's where they're going. That's the only thing that could top Endgame. But if we're all tired of the multiverse by then, then it's just, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. We need a vacation. They need <laughs> to stop for a little bit let people refresh themselves uh you know like thinking about oh i miss those superhero movies that were like it's so easy to watch whatever let us breathe which i think that was the problem also with star wars and all those big franchises it was like they were just shoving it down the throat and okay well i'm gonna hold on because i I, you're absolutely right but i think that's like the culmination of this episode so let's you mentioned star wars and i want to i want you to let let you come back to that after we talk about star wars because yeah. i think the same the same problem is true so since we talked about uh star wars in our last uh, uh episode three years ago um the following titles have come out i think the mandalorian season one was just happening when we talked about star wars three years ago so since then we've had the mandalorian season two star wars the bad batch season one 
The Book of Boba Fett, Season 1, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Season 1, Andor, Season 1, Star Wars The Bad Batch, Season 2, The Mandalorian, Season 3, and now Ahsoka. Anybody watch any of that? Um, I'm good. I'm just going to go first because I only have one show that I've seen from all those. And it's uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And it's I'm the a- Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Let's see. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, so the Obi-Wan or Kenobi. I don't remember the name of the show, but uh, <laughs> it's one of those two. Um, I honestly, when I watched it, I enjoyed it. I like that we focus in a different character. I know we brought back the the Skywalkers and everything. Obviously, you have to. But this was fully focused on him. It was the original character. It made sense with what was happening. And as far as I know, and that's what I hope it is, it was just one season. And it's like, there's a little insight of what happened to this person during this period of time. To the point that when it was over, it's like, oh, I wish I could see more. But at the same time, it's like, they can't. I know what happens next. It's Star Wars. Um, so, yeah, I, that was the only one I saw. And I honestly enjoyed it. But that's it. <laughs> Finito. Ryan, did you watch any of those shows? I'll keep this quick. Uh, nope. <laughs> you watched half of the Mandalorian. I watched half of the first season of Mandalorian, but this is, you know, when we were doing the pod years ago. Uh, yeah, and we didn't even finish the first season. No. Um, but I did hear Andor was good, so I, I was curious about that. But again, I, I didn't have Disney, so haven't paid. You've given up on Star Wars. You. Yeah. Star Wars is out of your life. Uh, yeah, I got oversaturated and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't. I can say this. I was never a huge Star Wars fan to begin with. <gasps> um, actually, I'm I'm falling in love with Star Trek, and uh, I think uh, Star Trek wins. Side oh, track. Well, let's talk. <laughs> Great. We Sorry, I'm getting back. I'm in season three do. of uh, Next Generation, and I'm just loving it. Well, that's the good one. That's when it really picks up. Um, and finally, Adam, did you watch any of those shows? Uh, so I haven't seen any Star Trek shows or no, no. <laughs> Quantum Mania. I've seen the Wrath of Khan. Uh, no, um, you loved it. I loved it. Every every and, and the motion picture. Oh my god, that first one, man, exciting. Whew. Um, no, I I tuned into the Kenobi shows. Fine, whatever. Um, and first season of Mandalorian was. Fine, second man season, I gave up. I'm like, I don't care about this anymore. So, and then I haven't seen anything else. But again, I'm like Ryan. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I'm an Empire Strikes Back fan. <laughs> and I, the rest is, it's just fine. I'm not a fan of the prequels um, and the sequel trilogy. We've already talked about that missed opportunity. I don't want to, and, and, and I want to let Mauricio and finish. And Ryan, you mentioned this too, like. I, I just found when The Force Awakens came out and we were all really excited, it was, uh, at least I felt, it was just like great to see those familiar things again, right? Member berries or Easter eggs or whatever you want to call them, fan service, whatever, you, whatever term you like. Like, oh, great, there's the Falcon again and there's Han Solo again and there's Chewbacca and Chewbacca's got the same gun and 
and you know (laughs) we're all all these little the attention to detail you know we were like so happy to see that stuff back the chess game you know all that came back and it's just the law of diminishing returns right so every single time there was a new star wars show and the mandalorian went back to the cantina on on tatooine and in the book of boba fett they're like in jabba's palace the whole time and they brought back all those wacky guys from there it just when you took away the excitement of like hey that thing i love is back and that went away pretty quick that went away after like rogue one then there's just nothing left so that's (laughs) that's to me why i'm like oh you're really just like taking this sponge and just like wringing out every last drop of liquid you like possibly can uh and uh it's just completely hollow. They they haven't learned the lesson that things are valuable when they're rare. If you have an abundance of it, it's less valuable. So I, I think that's the point you were making, Mauricio, when I rudely cut you off. Just and, and Ryan too. Just like we can't we can't be excited about something forever. It's like imagine you celebrate Christmas every day of the year. Yeah, exactly. Like part of the excitement of Christmas is that that month where Everything is absurdly magical. It's exciting. It's it takes you back to your childhood. It has emotional connection in many ways. But if you live in the world of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, where it's Christmas every day, it be or Halloween every day, that's part of the the concept of the movie. It's like it's boring. You want the other stuff. You want something else. And the problem with Star Wars is that they gave us an overdose. They gave us Christmas every day of the year. And I was so done with it so quickly because, you know, I wanted my Halloween. I wanted my uh, uh, spring, my summer. But no, Christmas, baby, whether you like it or not. It's like, okay. What do we, what do we, what do we look forward to now? Because it's not movies anymore. So what what do you, what have you guys, what what have you guys filled your lives with now? Going outside. It's nice out there. Is it? Actually, it's smoky. <laughs> um, Can't even do that. I think I think I already said in a way. If it comes to media, what I'm liking lately is something. Like, I know we have the strike and everything, but Last of Us was very refreshing. And I think the best I have now is to go back to rewatch things that I love. Like I was telling Ryan, I'm rewatching. Well, not rewatching. Watching for the first time The Sopranos. I never seen it. Mm. And now that there's nothing that it's catching my attention, it gives me the chance to go back to find things that are good and I haven't seen. What about you, Adam? What do you like to watch? Uh, again, I'm agreeing with Mauricio. Last of Us was good. Going back to watch, rewatch old stuff. There's just not a lot of new stuff that's getting me excited, unfortunately. And you know, there's a lot of stuff out there <laughs> from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. So, yeah, that, that's kind of what I've been doing. And Ryan, you're just going outside. <laughs> Star Trek. He's into Star yeah. Trek. In the rain. It's true. I am watching Star Trek right now. So like that's that's my uh, it's my comfort at the end of the night. So it's I the like same. That. It's uh, going back. It's going back. Uh, it's either that or something original like Oppenheimer, uh, or you know just or Barbie. Yeah. You know? Barbie was like, fun. Th- those are great. Bar- like I I didn't love Barbie, but I I talked about it with Jamie many times. It was so much fun. It was the closest thing to Endgame. 
that I've had in a while. It was all pink. People were excited. Yeah. Jamie was having the time of her life. I'm like, this is fun. <laughs> no genitals. Yeah. It was no genitals. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the, this was a fun movie-going experience. Um, yeah. And I, I want more of that. Like, I remember, Dodd, when you and I came out of Oppenheimer, we were blown away with all the pink. We, and we didn't even go see it. it. We were surrounded by all these Barbie fans. Remember? And people dressed up like Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah also, I think I don't think people yeah. can uh, duplicate uh, the Barbieheimer. Uh, that was incredible hype. marketing. They did a great job, yeah. and, and both movies' success. Lightning in a bottle is though. because of that. Well, I I wonder if the future of like blockbuster movies, at least what the new trend will be, because you know no one's original, so they'll they'll Barbie's now what the, the biggest movie of all time or something. So <laughs> now everyone will just try to emulate that. So I think it's gonna have to be you know what can we offer people now in a theater that you can't get streaming? I think that has to be and Barbie played into this the social aspect. Mm-hmm. Do this with your friends. Go take a picture of you and your friends on your social media in front of the poster because you're going to see the movie. It has to be an event movie again, right? And that's what Barbie did really well. Even my mom was like, you know, she's in her 50s, was like, my 50-year-old friends messaged me like, let's go see Barbie together. Like, it's just bringing all these people who haven't gone to the theater in a long time to say, let's get together and we'll do this thing. So we might start to see that become a trend, almost like... It was in the 50s where, you know, you, you dress up or you you interact with the movie in some way or, you know, like when there's screenings of the room and you throw things and you chant stuff at certain times. Like that may be the only thing a theater can offer audiences that a streaming service can't. And it's would be kind of fun. It's ironic because that's what Endgame was. If you remember, like, mm-hmm. and they're all over YouTube, like people were going nuts and screaming and cheering and excited and that kind of wraps this whole thing up. That was an event. Endgame was it, 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 like that. There's a reason it made so much money. Everyone was going to see it. Be, beyond comic book fans, it was the same thing as Barbie. It was every demographic. It was older women, younger women, older men, young. Like it was. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm going back right now. Let's go. Well, it's been nice catching up with you guys. You know this. Uh, in a few weeks will be the 10 year anniversary of when we all <gasps> met. Oh my goodness. Oh what a way God. to celebrate! <laughs> we all look the exact same. Adam and I sh- uh, shared that bus oh, ride. Oh, that that magical bus ride when I worked my way into Mauricio's <laughs> life and didn't ask him. I just did, and he's still there. <laughs> I was just so excited Ten to talk years. to you. I don't blame you because I didn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna be friends. We're gonna do a podcast someday yeah. <laughs> in English. I just like, what is this guy saying? <laughs> Okay, guys. Well, thanks for catching up. This was super fun. Thank you. Yeah, I missed this, and I missed you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming back. This is great. And and just a quick shout out to Dodd. This was all his idea, and uh, it's been I've I've been happy to to be a part of it, and uh, that led to this reunion, which was great. Talk to you in ten years. (laughs) (laughs) Love you. See you guys. My thanks to Cameron Killingsworth, Chris Montero, Ryan Haynes, Mauricio Blanco, and of course, Adam Galloway for all joining me for a walk down memory lane. Thanks for listening. Join your regular host, Adam, back on the next episode of Raised on Film.